Top, top, top of the morning, the afternoon, and the evening. It's the Wayne World Podcast. You know what it is. We're going to get that raw. We're going to get that real, that uncut. Pizzo, pizzo, pizzo. Touch your boy, Ambo. Pizzo, pizzo, pizzo. Touch your boy, Ambo. Why do I act like you don't know we love God? Pizzo, pizzo, pizzo. Jip, jip. Pizzo, pizzo, pizzo. Let's get into it. You know what I'm talking about? Top, top, top of the morning, the afternoon, and the evening to you, whomever you may be, wherever you may be watching, looking, or listening. It's your boy Aunt Mo. Trevin out of Whoa. Let me eat with your big baby. And welcome to Wayne's Words my minute now, young Tumbat. Man, we back, we back, we back for another week, man. We back for the Ninth episode from season three of the Wayne's World Podcast, you know what I'm talking about? And I want to welcome everybody, but specifically for the Wayneyacks. I love you from the bottom of my quarter zone, you know what I'm talking about? And for the first time in casual listener, you come on back round now, you yeah. You show them boys how you do it up in Harlem there, boy. You know what I'm talking about? And so listen, man, you may be wondering, what is the Wayne's World Podcast about? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you it's a variety podcast for the millennial and Generation X listener primarily. You know what I'm talking about? And here we talk about life and life experiences from a Christocentric standpoint. You know what I'm talking about? So the thing is, man, we got a lot of people who say, man, I'm real. Everybody want to be real. Ain't no time for the fakers. And then we got people on the opposite end who say, man, I'm a, man, I'm just a Christian, bro. I, I love God. And all those things are great. But what's happening is people want to be so extreme that there's no real Christians. And I think that it's important as a millennial to be able to talk from a standpoint of being a real person who experiences life, but a person who very much is a believer who loves God, who wants to please him. And I think it's not about a middle ground, so to speak, or a gray area, rather, because I think there is a middle ground where we're real, but we also let people know that it's not sunshine and daffodils. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what this podcast is about, man. We want to we want there to be a safe haven for people who believe to come and talk about real life experiences and, and what they deal with and go through on a regular basis where they don't feel alienated, where they can talk about what they really live. You know what I'm saying? We're not glorifying anything negative, but we just talking about the real life. But then also we want to deal with the people who may not believe. This may be a place where you come and you learn what it's about where we can destigmatize the things that it means to be a believer. And so, yeah, man, that's what the Wayne's World Podcast is about. I'm glad you got, you guys decided to stop in and come on back around again, you know what I'm talking about? And so for those first-time or casual listeners, you may be wondering, what is the podcast about today? Man, my cutoff game is strong, you know what I'm talking about? My cutoff game is strong, shorty, you know what I'm talking about? And so, man, we're going to delve into some of the things that you know what I'm saying? We deal with or I've dealt with in my life that have made me be very standoffish, very Heisman Trophy posed to people. And, you know, some of the realities of it, you know, some of my justifications or excuses, but then, you know, some hope at the end of it. You know what I'm saying? So um, before we get into that, before we get into that, and even before we move on and get into some randomness, because that's the next topic, this is a variety podcast, so we talk about a lot of different things, um, I want to address my listeners, my Waniacs, my people who who rock and roll with your boy every week, 
Because I've been getting some different feedback from people. I've been getting some people who've been like, hey, yo, aunt, listen, man, we need, we, we do, I like it. I like what you're doing, but you need to do this. Or I think it'd be dope if you do that. And I love hearing from my people. Y'all don't get on the Anchor app as nearly as much as you should, but um, and, and send me a voice memo or email me or anything like that. But y'all do, y'all do talk to me. And so this is the thing that I want people to understand. I am currently a one-man show in every sense of the word. I record and video by myself. It is owned and operated by moi, by your boy. I have no help. And that's not to complain, but I'm just trying to make a point here. I don't want or need a co-host, but I'm not opposed to it. Okay? I'm not interested in debating or arguing every topic with somebody. And I think sometimes that's the misconception is that I want this to be like first take or undisputed or something. And I'm like, no, I don't actually. I think that I hone a keen ability to be very objective about the things that we talk about or that I bring to you guys or that you bring to me. And I think that's what differentiates me as well. Not only that I'm a Christian and that I'm a real man and I expose you to my flaws, but I'm also very objective about it. I, I'm not so staunch about anything except my faith. That's the one thing I'm like, ah, you can't sway me from that. And so I love debating. I like having well thought out conversations and, and points about things, but that's it. Um. Also, this is my show, man. Like I put the groundwork in and I'm not interested in like a name change or dealing with the ego of a co-host. You know what I'm saying? Like people have their own ideas when they come in. And a lot of the times they're not even really bringing much to the table. So I don't want to bring somebody in and have to worry about pushing and pulling with them on who going to lead and, you know, whose is this and what we going to do? How we going to split? Like I am interested in bringing somebody in who wants to be a part of something great. Not somebody who want to be the skip to Mish being Shannon. That's not my thing. And so if that's if I can't get that, I'm, once again, I don't even want to do that. I have ideas that I want to do for interview series and to bring different guests on and to plug in. Since I do have another mic, this is a new mic, the Procaster, and I still have my, my pod mic. Me and Danny finna go full force with the adventures of Ant-Mo and Dan Frank. So that's what's on the agenda for now. But I definitely have a plan. Don't get me wrong. And so if if I can't get somebody to do that, I'd rather struggle by myself. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather just keep doing the dolo. But then there's some people who might say, Aunt Mo, I love what you do, bro. You are a one-man show. Shout out to David because he definitely told me this. And I've heard a couple people say that. Hey, man, you a one-man show, bro. You don't need a co-host. You do you. But it would be great to have some guests sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Just to bounce something off of. I'm rocking with that, and I hear you. But let me explain something. This costs money. To edit the videos is a headache for me right now. I need somebody to edit the videos, but it got to be done in a timely fashion. I'm essentially to do that. I'm going to have to spend some bread. You know what I'm saying? And it costs money to get new mics. I have to pay money to get this mic. Now, the Rodecaster will be paid off next month. This will be paid off next month. You know what I'm saying? My laptop will be paid off by the end of December, if I'm not mistaken. All I'm saying is I put money in 
to get these things. Nobody's contributing to the Patreon, and I'm not knocking. Please don't let me, that this is not a rant. This isn't a complaint. I'm just stating the facts. Nobody has contributed to the Patreon. Nobody has gave me any money towards anything. So all I'm saying is you guys have to be patient with me because I know y'all listening and y'all rocking. I love it. I thank you for it. If you've rated anything, subscribe. You can listen consistently, share it on your social media, anything. It's greatly appreciated. And so I'm not even trying to take too much time. I hope this doesn't pull anybody who's listening for the first time away. I'm just saying, listen, yo, it costs money to do things. I love y'all at the end of the day. And I don't want, but I just wanted to be addressed on one solid platform so that you guys know where I stand on all of that. So the last thing, right before we get into randomness, go to waynesworldstore.com. If you go to waynesworldstore.com, there you can sign up for the email list. You can um, get link, the, the, the YouTube link. You can get the RSS feed for the podcast. And there's a blog that I do on there as well as different little stuff different t-shirts that I design that are on there. Everything is there at waynesworldstore.com. So the only thing that I have on there is if you did want to contribute something there, but you can still do that everywhere else. So love you guys. I just want to get that out of the way. Sorry to have drug it on, but let's go ahead and get into some randomness. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, you random, random, huh? Random. Yes, sir, Ski. Let's get into some randomness. You know what I'm talking about? And so, man, there's a lot to cover, and I don't want to waste too much time. So, just to let you guys know, we're getting into some 6ix9ine talk. We're getting into some Cardi B talk and some Kanye talk. You know what I'm saying? Like, these are things that have been brought to my attention, things that I've been peeping. And I, you know, it's very interesting, man, because, you know, I didn't want to get into much pop culture so to speak because i didn't want it to be like the gossip girl shade room type of thing but it's not and i i get to control that part of it and so man let's let's just hop into it man six nine did an interview and we talked about last time how he wanted to get to do some stuff with joe and he wanted to do some stuff with gilly and you know all of these big major figureheads denied him that you know what i'm saying and I didn't blame them, but I do think it. The, sometimes it can be a little sidetracked. It could be a little, you know, pot calling the kettle black or us trying to dictate, you know, the things that how we are at times. Like we some like I said, we can sometimes use our platform to show how strong we are in a good way and in a bad way. And I think. It's down the middle on this one because there are people who stand by certain laws and respect and morals and all of that. But I think even their perspective can be somewhat jaded because they feel some type of way about six, nine and how he moved. But I got to tell you the truth. I looked at the interview and he's a very likable dude. I'm talking about let's take out of the equation that we know all of the facts about what he did. Forget what the other people did to him. Let's take out of the equation the fact that this guy was loyal to something that wasn't loyal to him. And you just watch it. You don't care. It doesn't matter if you know the names even. This dude is likable. Whether you want to admit it or like it or not, he's likable. He makes real points, valid points. He's charismatic. 
But the reality is we as a culture choose to ignore him or the facts of he may actually not be a bad guy because in our culture, we pick and choose what we want to tolerate from people. If the kid is annoying, but he's six foot six and he can shoot really well, we'll deal with him. Right. If she's annoying and she she's a bugaboo and she get into fights all the time, but she got a bad body. We'll deal with it. And that's my only issue with us giving blowback to six nine about the man he is and the decisions that he's made. It's quite interesting to me that he actually stands by the decisions that he made because he's like, everybody wants you to be loyal. But what do you do when they're not loyal back? When they're trying to harm you, when they are doing bad things to people, when you are my right hand man, how am I supposed to handle that? That's the dilemma that he stood in. And I think what he doesn't realize is that in some part of the game, somebody is always disloyal to somebody because that's the game at some point or another. But he had he doesn't know how to filter through that. So I think at the end of the day, man, he knows how to control his narrative as well. Even the fact of him being able to pick the shade room and him doing the interview with a female, he pretty much dictated his way through a lot of that through that interview. Which is not to be looked down upon because at the end of the day, like, you want to be able to control your narrative. You know what I'm saying? Like, he even started bringing her into Nikki talk and who smashed who in the industry and all of those things that I think if it was with a Joe or a Gilly or some of the other major figureheads, he wouldn't have been able to dictate like that. Or even maybe a Charlemagne, possibly. And I'm not saying that because I don't really care for him like that. But, I mean, I think he would feed into that because he still think he knows that that would get some type of traction you know but even the shade room it was the girl who actually runs the shade room she it's it's a news platform but it's based off of a lot of gossip and hearsay and drama and so i think that he did a good job of even picking her to be the person that he wanted to get his his side of the story off on now although i don't fully agree with what he did it is what it is He has to understand this, though, that the issue is that you came into the game being very disrespectful, trolling and, you know, carrying a bravado that you only got on the back of getting your cosign from the nine trade bloods. Well, they bad actors and characters. Sure, he knows that. But the reality is. You were never really cut from that cloth and people know that people know that if you were really cut from that cloth you probably would have just tried to make it on your own before ever going to the authorities. The G code enables you to not ever have dealings with somebody that, that, that would include implicating somebody or snitching or telling on somebody. And that's just the reality, the facts of it, my guy. And even if you feel justified in it, the culture is not going to, going to accept you doing that. And so you have to live with that. You know, I wish the young man well, as I've said before, and I hope that he can find a way to transition into something else. But, you know, if you look, you look at it, I think race also plays or color also plays a factor because he's not a black man. He's a Mexican. Even if he appealed to pop culture, he's a he's not a black man. And I think that that makes it easier for pop culture to push him to the side. 
but it's still a double standard because Cardi B is not black. She's of Latin descent or whatever, but she is very loved and accepted by black culture. And the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, she's an underdog story, right? So she's she's able to say, hey, I came from this and I am on this stage now. So she can be applauded from for, for being a stripper and making it to this platform She's going to get all the women behind her for that alone. And it doesn't hurt the fact that her husband was a habitual cheater. That just gives her more of a pat on the back like, oh, poor you type situation. Which transitions me away from 6ix9ine into Cardi B. The WAP fallout, so to speak. Let me say this. People are super childish. People are super childish. And the, one of the biggest things we love to do is kick people when they're down. Offset never said anything about her not having the ability to cook or clean being the re- the reason why he did what he did. This is the reality. Niggas cheat. Niggas cheat. You can be the best woman or the best man and a woman or a man will still cheat on you. We just have bad tendencies. So to, to say that, oh, she makes a song and say, I don't cook, I don't clean, but I do X, Y, and Z. And to say that, oh, now look at you. It's just us wanting to spit in her face for not being successful at something. I'm telling you, a lot of what we do, a lot of the backlash and the hate that we display, as I said something about Lecrae Moore last week, is rooted in a place of jealousy. Because you don't get to get a platform to sit on and say the things that you say. You think that it's justified now to point the finger at her and laugh in her face and say, I look at you. Oh, I thought you was this and that. It is what it is, man. She's still rich. I guarantee you she's probably still happy. And the thing is, is anybody not going to look at the fact that Offset was cheating? Is it justified? I don't know. Some of those things that we do in culture are just kind of weird. She files for divorce. It's irreconcilable differences or whatever. Some of the narratives were that Offset said that WAP was too much. She, he wanted her to tone it down. And I'm like, my guy, um, she was a stripper. And then she was a reality star. And then she became the most famous female rapper in a very 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 long time your whole argument is cap if that's the real story the reality is it doesn't matter if you're a superstar or not you're gonna have issues in a marriage you're gonna have issues in a relationship and then when you guys are busy and you successful and she's equally successful and y'all both getting money y'all gotta really know who y'all are and what y'all's relationship is built upon because if you don't it's not gonna work this happens every day with people who don't got a dime to their name So what do you think is going to happen when it's with rich young people who've never been in this position, who probably don't have guidance or somebody to teach them how to do what they are supposed to do to keep a marriage right? It just doesn't make sense. And so I just want uh, for some of my black women, I I want y'all to stop, stop feeling the need to, 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 to crap on people because of their, their shortcomings or their downfalls. Like, I seen a young lady on Facebook. 
I don't think I really know her like that, but I see I seen her on Facebook saying, "Well, we obviously we know she's mediocre, and she strongly resembles Foot Toe or whatever. I don't know if it's a person or what. I don't know. I didn't get it, but my thing was it just sounded like a bunch of hate. Like don't don't speak about things from a hurt place, and and, and feel justified because." It's really deep down something that you're warring with in yourself. And if you are, be honest about it. Be honest about where you're at and how you feel the how you feel and why you feel the way you feel. Because then we can get somewhere. But if you're just going to sit and hate on somebody or talk down on somebody about how they're not talented and from the eyes, from the way it looks, you don't appear to have any talents that even match what she's doing, then it just it just is a bad look for you. You know what I'm saying? Because let's not get it mistaken. Cardi B is talented. She's a hard worker. She's she's funny and she has a lot of personality. I personally like Cardi B. And I like her music. I don't care if you're saying she's not writing it. It's it's the same thing that you do with Drake when you say, Well, he got people that co that help write or that wrote his stuff for him. And it's like, but you couldn't have delivered it better than he delivered it. You don't have the star power that he has. You don't have the charisma that he has. You don't have the it factor. So it just sounds like you mad. Oh, you a better rapper, but you don't sell. Like, you can't be salty about it. You just have to keep doing what you're doing and appeal to the audience that you have. And hopefully, you'll get to a stage that you can handle one day. But to just hate on somebody or say these allegations or talk down on somebody just because you're not in the position that they're in is big time corny but that's the culture that we live in because we can sit behind keyboards and say whatever we want to say about people and to me that's the biggest dud about the whole situation is that people can't live their lives and experience shortcomings and hardships without everybody attacking them just because they can so I don't know man you know it, 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 you know, everything is about shock value Which brings me to Kanye Now, Kanye was brought to my attention I don't really care about what Kanye got going on And that's the honest truth But but old buddy hit me in my inbox Shout out to that boy Flo You know what I'm saying And he said, you gotta talk about Kanye You gotta talk about Kanye And mind you, I have no idea what's going on with Kanye I'm on Twitter, I'm out there a little, You know what I'm saying, a little bit But I don't know what Kanye got going on and then it was he was peeing on Grammys and complaining and talking about how he needs his masters and you know f this person and f that person and I'm the new Moses and you know just a bunch of stuff that's still whack to me. And the thing first thing that I said to Flo was that Kanye is a goofy nigga. He said he literally said you got to talk about Kanye. This is what Kanye said. I said Kanye is a goofy nigga. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. He's the most influential music uh, person of the 21st century, and he's worth $3 billion. But this is also the same nigga that, that sat in front of Sway and said, I ran out of money, Sway. I was over in Paris. We was really niggas in Paris. And they didn't accept me. They didn't let me in. Because you can't bombard into Paris, nigga, and think you're going to get into this society of, of fashion like that. It don't work like that. You got to put your work in. But now, since you got worth $3 billion, you're the, most, you're the second richest black person 
Like, what is the need to brag about that, Moses? I don't, I don't, it's, that's the disconnect for me. He needs to understand that accolades don't make white people forget you black. And when you start bumping your gums and talking your talk, that's cool. But don't expect for niggas to ride the wave like that. Cause it's not, that's not, that's not the case. You know what I'm saying? Black people are not afforded the opportunity to make the mistakes that Kanye has made or to say the things that he says and get away unscathed. The problem is that when the boy cries wolf and no wolf appears so many times, no one believes you no more. They don't even care, even if your cause is noble. Kanye, you have to understand that just because you are on some we all deserve a shot it's still rooted in you getting your masters it's still rooted in you putting out new music it's still rooted in what about me and that's the only thing that i disagree with when i watched uh joe budden and and ma was saying it's not a, it's not about him yes it is about him he's just understanding that it's better for the together it's better if if it's about we even if at the root of it me gets something out of it it's still kanye the antics haven't changed peeing on a grammy is goofy it's something for attention it's a build-up let me go say i'm gonna run for president even if i'm not really running for president even if i know i don't have a shot of winning because it's more attention on me it's more album sales it's more eyeballs great marketing but bad business in my opinion and so I think that there's some things that we're missing about why Kanye may have a, not even may, Kanye definitely has, definitely has a valid point. He has a great argument, but there's some realities that he's not understanding. Let's look at sports for a second. Sports are played in real time. You can't charge in perpetuity for sports. It's very much year to year. That's why they created caps. That's why ticket sales and, you know, you know, concessions and all of those things matter. That's why players have all of the leverage in sports because it's done in real time. Money is affected in real time. If I hold out and I'm the number one quarterback for the NFL, then that means the people who are going to pay money to see me is going to dramatically reduce game by game because I am an attraction that you, I'm going to do something now that yeah, it'll be recorded, but it's not going to have the same effect. So yeah, unless I run for 300 yards in a game, something that's never been done, or, if, you know, some crazy thing, the Super Bowl, the best Super Bowl, where we both scored 70 points or something like that, or we didn't score at all, but it was a great defensive battle. It's only a one-time thing, but the eyeballs that you're going to get at that time are unmatched. It's not the same. It's not the same argument for music. Music is made and then played in perpetuity forever. Listen, I've listened to one song an entire shift at my job several times or one album over and over and over and over and over because I love music, number one. But then number two, it's something that you get paid per streams. You get paid per clicks. You can reach so many people and it can go over and over and over again. So a company doesn't benefit from doing fair deals when they have to take care of their family's family for generations. Why would I care about what you have going on or what you desire when I can just 
pocket the money and listen to you complain. It's not it's not the same argument. If you don't and the fact that you keep signing these deals. You are supposed to leverage who you are to go do your own things. At some point, good music might need to stand on its own. If you can't do that, then stop complaining about it. So, and if this is a white black thing, right? Let me say this. Stop expecting for white people to do fair business. Since they hopped off the boat, it was grind time, Kim folk. That's a fact. It was get down or lay down. So why do you expect for the money to transition to Puma and Adidas and all of these companies who they say have Nazi ties? I have no idea. But I'm saying if that's the case, why are you expecting for them to, 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 to make you a fair partner? It doesn't make sense. So we have to understand that the rich are going to get and stay rich by being shrewd operators. That's just a fact. So take that into consideration and hopefully, you know, you learn to, to, to do something better. Folks have to understand that value is not equal in life. It just doesn't work that way. So listen, man. That's all I got to say about that. We're going to take us a little small break, pay some bills. And when we come back, you're going to get into you going to get these sports. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Huh. And we back and we back in here. Yeah, hey, this ain't no intro. This that entree. Did that intro with Kanye and sound like Andre. Trying to turn my baby mama to my fiance. Hey, nice as you guys. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, man, welcome back. Welcome back. You know what I'm talking about? We back and we back. Shout out to that boy Chance. You know what I'm talking about? And uh, you're going to get these sports, bro. So. I told you we were going to get into it last week. I gave you a little prelude. Who's had the better career? James Harden or Dame Dollar? Upon looking at it initially, I wasn't sure if it was even close. But as I look at it, I think we got some very fair points. Some very fair points. We're getting into this, and then we also get into Cowboys. We're talking a lot of Cowboys on the back end. So, listen. Dame Dollar went to Weber State. Weber, Weber, I think it was Weber State. He was drafted sixth overall, was rookie of the year, and he also got the got the chance to play alongside LaMarcus Aldridge, who was, if not in his prom, nearing the prom of his career. While on the other hand, James Harden was at Arizona State, drafted third, sixth man of the year in 2012, and then eventually MVP in 2018. Dame has been to the Western Conference Finals as the head guy. That's not a that's not to be scoffed at. Especially considering that he plays in Portland. Now, you know, McCullough does his thing, but he ain't the guy. You know what I'm saying? He's a great player, but he ain't the guy. So to lead any team to the Western Conference Finals is a big deal. But James also been to a Western Conference Finals. Um, listen, <laughs> he's an MVP. He was now when he went to the finals, he was a phenomenal six man. So that's also nothing to scoff at considering the star power that they had on that team. 
But, you know, Dame Dollar, you know, he's been injured a lot in his career. It's taken away from the the possibilities of what he could be. You know what I'm saying? And then James, his body is broken down on him when he's made deep playoff runs. Extreme fatigue, having no legs, have plagued him the deeper he's went into the playoffs. This is the best opportunity that he's had having those couple of months off because of the coronavirus. But other than that, my guy gets on the biggest stages, and, and when he's got on the biggest stages, he's had some of his worst performances. Even going back to six-man of the year, making the making the finals, they all spit the bit going against – going against. Um, well, first they lost – before they made that run, they lost to the Mavericks on their way to the being champions, you know what I'm talking about. But then they themselves made it against the Miami Heat and got throttled. So – they were young, but still, they ran into their, you know their own fair share of issues. And so, I don't know, man. I think it's a very good argument. I ain't gonna say I don't know. I'm tired of my. I'm tired of saying that. But yeah, man, uh, James being on some of the biggest stages have had some of his worst shooting performances ever. Now, Dame, Dame, Dame had a tough road. You know what I'm saying? Like to get the notoriety that he's got, being in the West and being in Portland. Is is that's a big deal. That's not that like I said, that's nothing to scoff at. And you know, James has been the guy. James has been the like he's been the guy for a while now. And so for him to win an MVP is impeccable, especially considering that he declared to us, you know, two or three years after being in Houston that he was the best player in the NBA and we laughed at him. And he's executed, even though I still don't think he's the best player in the NBA or nothing like that, but he's made a great argument for himself and it doesn't hurt that he's in a system and in a league today that caters to his game perfectly like literally the the modern nba caters to james harden's game he's a very innovative offensive player as well he knows how to adapt you know the way that he you know the sidestep and the step back and all of those things like the way he dribbles even the the a two-step to the basket, all those things have elevated his game. And he's savvy. He knows how to get to the, to the free throw line. You take away 15 points from the free throw line, and his stat sheet look a whole lot different if he ain't on. But he's he's out there still dropping 50 and 60. So I'm saying he's more of a modern NBA player where Dame Dollar is just a great player. He could play in any era being that tough. But let's just keep it a buck. Both of them have had underwhelming careers thus far, considering how great they could be if it wasn't for injuries or poor performances when it mattered the most. You know, at the end of the day, I don't believe that either of them will win a championship if they don't change over their rosters completely, including coaching, or if they don't switch to other organizations. That's just me. I think Dame is hurt too often to be able to put himself in a position to win a championship unless he gets tons of help, which would still mean turning over a roster or switching teams. And James is the guy, but some would argue the way for him to be able to save himself is to incorporate other people. He, now, this is the season where he stepped up and he averaged like 10 assists, 11 assists on top of still dropping 30. So it's impressive, but I just think that you got to learn how to play defense. You got to have a coach that knows how to scheme his way out of a box. Because when you get on the stage against the best players in the world, 
listen, fam, you got to be able to have something else than you can just shoot a whole bunch of threes. It the, the system doesn't lend to him being successful in that manner. So, I don't know, man. Like, you decide for yourself. Y'all let me know what y'all think. If y'all think James or Dame has had the best career. My pick, and I'm not going to lie, I thought it was going to be, I thought it was gonna, I was going to have a pick other than what I'm going to say. But I actually think James Harden has probably had the better career. Only because he went from being a guy to the guy. Even though he was drafted high, he went from being a guy to the guy. And to still lead your team to the Western Conference Finals, to lead the NBA in scoring multiple times, to win an MVP, to back up the words that you said, to be the one of the most unguardable players in NBA history is a big deal, including still when you were a guy going to the NBA Finals. That's that's pretty good. So I'm not going to hate on James, even though he's not my favorite player or cup of tea. I still I still like what he's done done thus far. He could get better defensively. He's shown you that he could pass the ball when it mattered most. He's learned how to not be so selfish. He's actually a great team player and his, t- his team loves him. So Dame is more my cup of tea, but I don't think he's had a better career than James Harden to this point. In other news, we got Cowboys. Now, before I tell you what I got to tell you, because y'all know I'm going to give it to you real, I'm going to give it to you raw, I'm going to give it to you uncut, Kenfo. Um, Let me say this. I know that they won on Sunday. But. Okay? I know that they won on Sunday, but. The Cowboys continue to embarrass their fan base, and themselves for that matter. You are embarrassing us. Because nobody takes the Cowboys serious anymore Except Cowboys fans And it's even beginning to be hard for me to take us serious Listen The defensive line got pushed around all game By the Los Angeles Rams The offensive line got pushed around all game By the Los Angeles Rams When you get dominated in the trenches like that The score does not tell you the whole story This was another argument that I was making with Flo where you got to understand, not even an argument, but yeah, I'm not saying argument. This is another argument that I was making. Points don't tell the whole game. When your team gets smacked in the mouth on offense and defense, so what you only lost by three points? That could just mean that that team has a lot more shortcomings than what we know. But there's no way that we can get dominated like that on on the line every week and expect to win. By the way, what do you think was happening in week two when we were getting blown out by the Falcons? Dak had no time to throw the ball. Although Zeke has been running great. Zeke is looking like vintage Zeke. People keep forgetting that when Zeke came into the league, he was running a 4-4. That Zeke was taking screen 70 yards to the house. That he wasn't just trucking people. I'm tired of hearing people say that Zeke is just a power back. No, he's not. Do you watch football? Did you see him at Ohio State? There's no way that you run for 200, 230, 250, three games in a row in a playoff system if you're just a power back. This ain't Wisconsin, bruh. Zeke is that guy, and I expect for him to play like that. I expect for him to hit a juke on somebody for once, run off on somebody for once, truck somebody, 
be shifty. Take a screen 15 to 20 yards. Like, this is what Zeke did his rookie year, his second year in the league. It's been the third and fourth year that's in question. But I go back. I digress. Dak has, listen, I don't care. I don't care if y'all think this is shock jock stuff. I'm just telling y'all, Dak has looked pedestrian. He does he has not look like he's worth 40 million. Y'all look at when we down 30 points. It wasn't really 30, it was 20, 21 points. I get it. But y'all wait till we down 40 points, and then Dak has to throw the ball around the yard. Was the line better then when we were down 30? Than before? That's the type of stuff that y'all gotta help me understand. Yeah, there were some injuries that happened to some guys, but we steady getting injured as well. We gotta stop making excuses. If Dak wants 40 million, 50 million, he gotta play like it. Because Aaron Rodgers played for years with no line and he learned to throw the ball away. He learned to scramble when he needed to. Dak is not a rookie no more. He is a veteran. And we the story of the Cowboys career with Dak at quarterback is getting down in big games and then storming back late and us not winning. You can't say he's won because we ain't got no championships. We ain't been to no NFC championships. We ain't been to no Super Bowls. Going 13-3 and multiple times and still not winning a playoff game. Fam, stop being so homerous that you can't be objective about this. Dak has not looked that great consistently. He can't just do it when we're down. How about you start the game off? Can we start the game off and go up 14 points or something? Can we force somebody to come back on us that's an actually good team? Because when, we, when we're doing bad, it's the line. It's Zeke ain't playing well. It's Amari Cooper ain't catching the ball. It's the defense is trash. But it seems to all come together all of a sudden when we storm back late, when we get in these trash points and trash yards. Y'all got to look beyond just being homers, yo. I've been a Cowboy fan since I could walk, and I'm just tired of seeing mediocrity, okay? We have to do something to do better. The play calling looked like Jason Garrett emailed it over before the game. Mike McCarthy in one and a half games looked like the guy that Aaron Rodgers said he can't play with anymore. He's not innovative. I'm not mad at us going for it on fourth and three or fourth and five or none of that stuff. But can we not do a fake punt right up the middle of the defense? The punter doesn't throw the ball all the time, but geez, Louise, my guy, we would have converted that one on the comeback route if you just put it up two more inches. And I understand us going, like, I can understand us being third and six and say we're playing for two downs. But can it not be a lead draw? Can we throw the ball on third down? Let's just go ahead and throw it twice, fam. I'm never mad at you taking chances, but it's the execution, which means that, Kellen Moore, you're not off the hook, my guy. You're the only common denominator left. If we got a different coach, same players, same offensive head, uh, offensive coordinator, what does that sound like? Either we're not really truly talented as they say we are, or you really ain't 
putting it together. Maybe it wasn't fully Garrett. Now, it was Garrett. Don't get it twisted because the head coach is supposed to be able to step in and say, hey, stop calling them stupid plays. Run this play. Do that. And he never did it. He sat back and he watched Kellen Moore do it. He sat back and he watched the, uh, the guy before him do it. Coaches need to get a pair of balls on them and actually say something so that we don't be out here looking stupid. I'm tired of being a Cowboy fan that gets talked about every single day. We're the worst thing about the Cowboys is the fans who are unrealistic, who can't be objective, who can't look and say, okay, we need to do this better or we need to do that better. I refuse to be that guy. If we don't call Earl, if we don't call Earl, this secondary is going to get roasted all season. And that's with Trevon Diggs stepping on the field and being the best corner that we have. I don't care what y'all watching on tape. Awuzie ain't it. Jordan Lewis is good. Yeah, he's going to get beat. You know why? Because corners get beat. But he makes plays on the ball. He's aggressive. He's He can play in the slot. He can pe- play on the outside. Jordan Lewis is a good corner. Stop hating. Anthony Brown has been trash since his second year in the league. Awuzie has been trash since his second le- year in the league. Those guys are pretenders. They're not real corners in the NFL. So the least that you can do is have Jordan Lewis on one side, Trevon Diggs on the other side, and then have Thompson, Darren Thompson, and, and Antoine Woods switch out at free at strong safety and have Earl Thomas play free and do what he want to do. And he'll, I guarantee you, that alone will make this defense better. But the funny thing is that you listen to Jerry Jones and it's not a state of the emergency. It's just not important to him. He doesn't think anything's wrong. Since when are we above going and getting a player to make us better, even if he got a little spotty pass? You 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 you, you balked at the chance of getting Randy Moss and that haunted you your whole career. So now you're going to tell me that you're not going to get Earl? Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Come on, bro. Help me help you. Because I can't buy into this anymore if we're not going to do what it takes to be a really a, a good team. So, I don't know, man. Look, I, look, I, didn't, look, I didn't went off on this so much. I, I still got other points. Look, our linebackers are a joke. Joe Thomas was the best linebacker on the field. And he's not bad. I'm trying to understand how if he plays like that, how is he playing? How is he not playing over uh, Jalen Smith? How is he not playing over Leighton Vander Esch? How are they outplaying him? Because I'm watching the I'm watching them play. This guy is everywhere. He can move laterally. Jalen Smith can't move laterally. The, the 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 one that had the nerve issues, the the leg that had the nerve issues, he cannot plant on it and go in that direction. He can only go straight ahead. If he can't run sideline to sideline, he's no good to us. If a dude has a juke move, he's screwed. It looks like somebody shot him in his leg. We can't buy into that. Leighton Vanderish has only been healthy one year his rookie year. His second year and this year, he's already missed 17 games total. That is horrendous. Broken collarbone this time. He had a neck fusion last season. And he's, I'm healthy. Bro, you might not need to play football no more. 
Sean Lee is hurt like he always is. Fam, we need to do a better job of drafting. We need to do a better job. Like there was there was already talks of them saying that a lot of teams wanted to stay away from Van Der Esch because of neck issues. But we want to throw the dice on him, but we can't go get Earl Thomas? I'm so confused right now. We got to do better than this. I'm that's that's all I'm trying to say here, Famoski. That's it. We got to do better. Because you can't expect the fans to keep putting their hope in it. These are young fans. That's what I want Jerry to understand. You're not dealing with people that are 40 and above who just loyal to the soil because they're going to be. These are young fans who have options. They'll go root for teams that win. So, you know, you do with that what you want, Big Jerry. But we can't keep acting like the way that we're handling this is the best interest of the Cowboys and the fandom. The one thing that's the scary thing is that Jerry just doesn't he doesn't even appear to give a crap. But it shows me that preseason is more important than what we acknowledged or what we thought. Some of these guys just need to work out some of the kinks, man. Some of these young guys needed a chance to go play ahead of time. You know what I'm saying? Some of the some of the the veterans needed a, a chance to beat up on some guys who didn't look like them before it really counted. Because you can beat up on guys that are on your team, but if those guys suck, so what? It doesn't mean much. So, Cowboys, man, do better. Do much better. You know what I'm saying? And 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 then maybe we'll have something positive to talk about instead of me dealing with these homers all day who don't want to be real. So, we moving on. And when we come back, we getting into the meat of this thing. You know what I'm talking about? See you in a little bit. Yeah. Peace. Yeah, yo. And Tomat. We back, man. And we about to get into the meat of this thing, you know what I'm talking about? And for those of you who may not know what the meat of this podcast is, um, basically, man, it's what we it's what the whole podcast was about. The main topic of the podcast. And for those of you who may not have known, the title of it is My Cutoff Game Strong. You know what I'm talking about? And so, my question to you, the listener, is who hurt you? Hmm? Who hurt you? Who did you wrong? Who made you not want to trust people? Who made you not want to deal with individuals? Who who made you not want to tell your business? Who made you not want to let people into your space anymore? Because somebody definitely hurt you because I've been hurt. And it doesn't matter if you're male, it doesn't matter if you're female, who hurt you? My confession is, I be cutting folks off. I be cutting folks off early and often. It ain't nothing to cut that chick out, you know what I'm talking about? But I, I don't, listen, it ain't even reduced to, it's family, friends, it's been relationships, it's been co-workers. You name it, I've cut them off. Without a second thought, because... Man, listen, it's a gift to be able to cut people off. Do you understand there are people who have lost their lives because they don't know how to cut people off? It has been people who have, their lives have been severely changed because they didn't know how to cut somebody off. So it is a gift that keeps on giving in my in my experience. I'm not proud of it, but it has been my intention. It has been my intention to cut people off because if you get under my skin enough, if you affect my energy enough, if you affect my peace enough, 
you can just go ahead and have me and my mind and my heart all jacked up and I, I'm not, it's not worth it. So I, I will let you go. Kelly, no, I will unfollow you in a heartbeat, an absolute heartbeat. You will be gone. Like if I, if I see two or three of your posts and they make me upset to that degree, like I'm talking about you just on some stuff that I'm not on or you, you know, you doing some stuff, you are, you a believer and it's just, it just doesn't even make sense what you're saying. You're more for something else than you are about the gospel. Then I will unfollow you. Some of y'all ain't unfollowed yet. But I've been plotting on it for a couple months now. I just haven't done it. I'm just being real. It's social media. Who gives a crap? Like, just unfollow me. Unfollow me. I'll unfollow you. You know, you know, a lot of these people you're not talking to anyway. It's a false sense of connection. So who cares if, who cares? Like, just unfollow me. You know what I'm saying? So, you know. You know, the saying is that familiarity breeds contempt. And so the more you keep people around, that that statement is true when you keep people around who you don't really care for, who you don't really want to deal with. You allow them into your space. You allow them into your your intimate, you know, areas. You And you get them into your business and they disappoint you or they don't tell you the truth or they tell your business or... They show you to be the snake that they are, and you keep allowing them into your space. That familiarity is what breeds the contempt. The jealousy, the hatred, the anger, all of those things that we act like aren't there in certain situations are ever present. And so, listen, I'd rather just cut you off and let you do your thing. And, you know, if it means anything to you, I'll hear from you. There's been people that I haven't talked to and I never heard from. And I still had to go to them because my, the friendship mattered more to me than it ever mattered to them. I care for them more than they ever cared for me because if you can talk, stop talking to somebody and you, they don't even budge, then how important was your relationship in the first place? I have lived much of my life in a broken place due to the hurt of, that I felt from other people. And that's a fact. Whether we're starting from the very beginning with my parents, whether we're talking about my siblings, whether we're talking about, you know, my my other family members, you know, the one who molested me or the, the ones who just don't support, don't reach out, they do things and it's with other family members and I don't even get a phone call type of situations. Whether it's people talking about you behind your back at work or different situations where it's like, I don't even need this crap. What's the point of it? But it's reality. It's reality. And so, you know, I got stories. I, you know, I got examples of what I'm talking about. And from there, we'll delve into what I consider to be ultimately one of the hopes that we have to really deal with situations like this where, you really may just be sensitive or ultra emotional and cutting people off is something that you do. It may not be a gift for you. It might just be you moving too fast. It might just be you being an emotional wreck at times. So I start with my sister. 
Y'all have heard me talk about my sister. Anybody who's listened to enough of my podcast, you've listened to me talk about my sister, my blood sister before. And one of the thing one of the things that has happened was when I was going through my divorce or initially I was about to go through a divorce. And it because it was the first time that I had initiated this process, but I didn't follow through because I was very fearful and, you know, I looked down on it myself. So, you know, I just felt some type of way about it, but it was where I was at at the time. And I remember coming to my little sister and she expressed what she thought and felt about the situation. And I listened to her and then I had a conversation with her, an adult conversation like, hey, you're my sister. I love you. I trust you. This is I'm telling you, this is what my thought process is. This is what I'm feeling. And and the fallout from it was she literally went to my ex and told her everything that I told her. She also talked about me like a dog behind my back. These are facts, not opinions. Said that I was like, you know, believe that my my ex at the time, we're adults, we've lived. I'm actually going to have her on one of the podcasts um, so we could talk about the process of how we got to where we are now through everything that we've dealt with from high school to college to being young adults to now. Because I think it would be interesting and something very necessary for people who have lived similar circumstances or, you know, whatever. But, you know, it was said that something to the effect of it was almost like if it was like if you me and my daughter, I'm going to go be with this girl, this other girl type of thing. And she believed it, my sister. And so. Man, when I tell you that was back in like 11, 12, something like that, and our relationship has been strained ever since, and I was close to my sister. You know what I'm saying? Like, me and my brother were hit and miss just because, you know, it's brothers, and, you know, he. I think my brother was dealing with some things and some inadequacies and some hurts and some things from my grandmother passing away in his life. I get it. You know what I'm saying? But I had nothing but love or have nothing but love for my brother. We're better now. You know what I'm saying? But my sister, we still remained in a in a good relationship. And, you know, it was just hard for me to fathom how a person can do a complete 180. In my mind, I'm like, you, you know, I grew up with you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've looked out for you. You're my sister. Like, I love you. I want the best for you. Why, what would compel you to believe such bad things about me and then to treat me as those lies warranted, like, didn't make sense to me. And so, you know, I don't want to go too deep into the, you know, the things, the ins and outs, but there are some things that have that have happened, you know what I'm saying, from me co-signing and, you know, the evictions to, you know, parent, you know, adding to cell phone plans and not paying the bill and, you know, just borrowing money, never giving it back. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, just regular stuff that you would do with family, but something that I would never do for nobody I didn't love like that. And so for me to experience the kickback from that or to, in my mind, to be treated unfairly, you know, it's, it's something that makes it hard for me to look her in the eyes, to be to even deal with her. I'd rather not deal with you because I can't trust the fact that you won't hurt me again. A part of loving and forgiving somebody truly is being in a space with them where you can allow them to hurt you again if they so choose because you are just leaving yourself open and to them in that regard. Not fully. You don't fully allow them to just run over you, but you say, okay, you're in my space. I'm allowing you to be in my space. And I couldn't do it. 
I could not do it. I still struggle with it. And so that's an example. How about my mentor when I first got into the fitness game? I didn't know anything. I just knew I had like two years of training my own body to look a certain way. And I wanted to help people feel the way that I felt when I got results. And, you know, it was cool at first when I appeared to be just the underling. You know what I'm saying? When I just appeared to be the guy who was just at your every beck and call. Oh, sure, I'll do this. I'll put the weights up for you. I'll do that. You need me to do that? Oh, yeah, I'll run and get that for you. Oh, no, no, no problem. Here's my little old money every month. But when I started grinding and I started getting them, custom, them, 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 them clients in, and I'm sure he was making more money than me. I'm sure he was making more money than me because he. I'm pretty sure he was charging more money than me. There was a jealousy that began to form in him that I get word from somebody who doesn't know either one of us. He's talking about me and he doesn't even know he's talking about me. My boy Kelly's um, fitness, I don't know what the dynamics of their relationship was. It was his coach, okay, his bodybuilding coach at the time. Opened the gym, right? And it was in the same general area. It was some. It was a mile or so apart, but same general area. My mentor came to check out the gym. He was like, yo, let me see what you got going on. That's dope, man, this and that. And he's, at first he was talking really well about me. Oh, man, I got this young guy, blah, 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 blah. And it turned into like almost like a bitter, hateful, oh, he thinks he's this and that when I've never presented my, I mean, I had nothing but respect for this guy. Now, he may listen to this one day. You can call me, we can clear it up. But at the end of the day, like, I just knew that something was off. He started wanting to try to charge me for everything. Like, oh, you want to go to the next level? Well, I'm going to open this suite up. I'm going to raise your rent. When he told me my rent would never go up. Oh, well, you know, you can start paying the light bill and all this other stuff. I'm like, fam, that ain't got nothing to do with me. I just trained my clients here. This is your building. I didn't ask to put my name on the wall or on the window. But that's just the type of dynamics that we deal with or that I dealt with when there was some jealousy. It's like I wasn't the master. The student had became the master, but the master felt threatened, even though I wasn't even trying to make him feel threatened. And then it became this competition and this negativity where it was time for me to go. Close friends, people who say they support you, but then they don't. They talk about you behind your back. They, you know, don't. Man, listen, I've dealt with all of that and think he's such and such or why he got to be so this and that. And it's like, fam, I've been this way since I met you. And when we were on good terms, fam, your honesty is a gift. Fam, don't ever change. Be who you are. Like, this is dope the way that you are, bro. There's nobody like you, bro. When you start your podcast, bro, I'm loving it. I'm going to support it, dog. I'm going to put money into it. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. All of a sudden, when those things start happening, I don't know if it's something where it's like people can't imagine you being in a position above them, even though I'm not making no big money off of this. Every time you hear one of those ads, it it it, it accumulates a little bit of money. But it's only like 10 bucks for one and 17.50 for another one, but that's per 1000 listeners. So, it doesn't even accumulate like 
you think it does. But it's like, it's, it's such a like crab in a barrel, crab in a bucket mentality amongst our own people that it just makes me be like, you know what? I'm going to let you do you, fam. I'm going to chill over here. We Gucci. You know what I'm saying? And last but not least, my ex-wife. Um, and me, me and her have no beef. I'm only telling you hindsight because Lord knows if it's one person I don't want no problems with, it's my ex-wife. Well, when that dragon come out, Kim Folk, unleash the dragon. I don't really want me to. No, you're right. I want you to stay in, in, in that in that little happy place. You know what I'm saying? But listen, man, that scarred me. Like the experiences that we had, and mind you, I was just as wrong for a lot of the things I said and did. I never put my hands on anything like that, but I'm just saying for the experiences that we had, it scarred me. So even with my wife now, I have been very unyielding to really trust people to really accept love from people because of the experiences that we had. There are stories upon stories that I could tell you that maybe in her, in her perspective, she probably didn't even see it the way that I experienced it and probably vice versa. Some things that I did or didn't do or say, or didn't say that severely altered the trust and love that we could have had for each other in our relationship albeit from the beginning neither one of us really wanted to get married to each other but it seemed like the best thing to do at the time for our child's sake for our christian walk because lord forbid you have a baby out of wedlock hell's gonna open up and you're gonna fall in it right then and there this is where we get to some real talk because in the church these people are having sex. These people are giving up the guts on a regular. But nobody's talking about it. And then babies are being had. And then everybody wants to act like the way to fix the situation is to get married. So now you're going to have two people come together who don't want to be together or who don't who are not mature enough to understand that marriage is not making a pledge to each other. It's making a pledge to get to God on behalf of this other person. And vows are only broken in death, in blood being shed. It's a covenant with God. Things that I had no idea about before I got married. Things that I would that I was too immature to do alone. That have pretty much set the foundation of for the other mistakes that I've made personally in my life for seven years. So we have to be very careful who we bind ourselves to because we could end up with something on our backs that destroys, destroys the person that we could be, the relationships that we could have in the future. We got to be careful. You got to be very careful when you're picking a spouse, when you're choosing friends, when we're making certain decisions about our lives, understand that there's a fallout to every decision. For every reaction, there's an equal and whatever reaction. So that's all I'm trying to expose to you is that the decisions that you make are very important. They matter. You have to be aware of them. The people that you allow into your lives, it's not bad to cut people off. Some people need to be cut off because they need to see what it's like without you. 
Some people are only experiencing the blessings that they have because you're in their lives. But if they have nothing to contribute, if they're not really there because they love you and they care for you and they want to be a part of your life, they don't need to be there. So you have to understand that and move in just. But I have hope. And and the I would be remiss if I were to go through this whole podcast and give you objectivity and give you opinion and give you facts and not give the greatest fact. And the thing that I had to learn, and I had to learn that I have to forgive people. But it doesn't mean because I forgive you that I have to go back to dead situations just because they're familiar to me. It's not about familiarity. It's not about, oh, we used to be so cool. Oh, we used to be so tight. Oh, that was my boy since I was 12. Some situations are meant to stay dead. You just have to learn how to be at peace with them. And so to end this, I want to make reference to a scripture. And that is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, where it says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So beyond anything that I could feel or say or believe. I got to refer to the word and I got to trust that when people wrong me, when I feel bad or I feel dead inside or I feel wore down from the world or how things have happened to me or, or for me, that I always have a rest and a hope and a strength in, in Jesus. He's looking to lighten my, my, my load, my load or my burden. He's looking to take mine and, and switch it for his. So take rest that he will do just that because that is the hope that we have. So, yeah, man, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. And so with that being said, I want to get into the question of the day. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from 2020 thus far? In this 2020, what have you learned? What can you take from 2020 that you could apply into 2021, which we can't assume is going to be any better than 2020? Let me say that. If there's one thing that I have taken from 2020, it is that God wants to bless you when it appears that you're being cursed. God is wanting to open up the floodgates and do something for his people. When it appears that all hell is broken loose, when it appears that Rome has fallen, God is still looking for the apple of his eyes. The apples of his eye. There are so many people that have that have flourished and thrived in this season of life. Because they just simply won't take their eyes off of Jesus. Don't buy into the narrative that the media is going to push to you. Or some of your favorite pastors. 
Because it's not also sun, sunshine and daffodils all the time either. Sometimes God may have taken a lot of us through this season to break off some of the bull crap that we've been dealing with. Some of the connections that we had to certain things. But it has shown me that even in the midst of the hellfire and brimstone that is going on around you, he is wanting to bless your soul. And I'm not talking about just monetary. I'm talking about a peace of mind. I'm talking about a better relationship with your family and your children. A focus on a business that you've been needing to do, but you just couldn't find a way to get away from work. What has 2020 taught you? What do you need to learn or what have you learned the most about being in this season of life where everything has slowed down? Because it ain't going to be slow for much longer. So, yeah. That's what I think. I just believe that that God is always in and always is in the in the in the mindset of blessing his children and loving on us and and creating opportunities for us to shine and flourish if we can handle it. So, with that being said, Let's close this thing on out, man. Let's get into the momentous moment. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, Sirski. Listen, man. I said it earlier, and I'm going to say it again. We're at the end of this thing. Go to the waynesworldstore.com. Not the waynesworldstore.com, but waynesworldstore.com. I do blogs there. I drop merch there. You can get on my email list to be a part of the Wayne's World Podcast. I'm talking to the people that rock with your boy. If you've been listening thus far, you found a home. Come home. Caesar is home. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about? You have found a place here. You have a place here. If Whether you're the non-believer who wants to understand better about this faith walk from a real perspective, or you're a believer who just wants to have a real relatable space to speak the truth that you have dealt with, you have a home here. Wayne'sworldstore.com. Go to the very bottom. You put in your email, submit it, and you're a part of my email list. I'll let you know when episodes are dropping, when new blogs are out, when new merch drops, when new episodes are here. I will let you know that. I just want to build a community. So that's what it's about for me. Listen, um, I kind of jumped the gun. But my momentous moment for today is some things that I've already said, but I have to keep reiterating them because they they tie in so perfectly to this episode. Keep working. Always be working, fam. Whether that's literally putting your hands to the plow or creating something for a legacy. Because I can't worry about how many people listening or not listening every single week Because this is the reality I've not posted as much as I used to I used to spam the mess out of my social media And my listens are going up My downloads are going up I was blown away Literally blown away by An uptick in about 20 to 30 downloads From this season alone From season 3 Man, I'm just putting the work in. I'm going to let God worry about the increase, man. So stay working and love yours. That's the second part. Love yours. Don't focus on the people who don't want to support you. Don't focus on the people who don't want to listen. Don't focus on the people who don't want to share. Focus on those who want to contribute and be a part of what you got going on. Because those are the people you're going to do something great with. 
Listen, man. All social media outlets are accessible on wherever you're listening to this podcast. The website is there, waynesworldstore.com. I'll say it again. Please go check it out. Go support, buy merch, listen, uh, read the blog. Go check out the YouTube. Um, the RSS feed is there for you to be able to check out whatever podcast that I've did from the past up until now. If you on, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give your boy a five star rating. Um, leave me a review. It helps boost me up the charts. I cannot express that enough. I appreciate you guys for who have, who has done that, who has shared it on social media, who listens every week, who gives me good feedback. You know, if you've given me five stars or if, or whatever it is, I appreciate it. So that's all I got for you, man. And so y'all know what's up. Y'all know what's coming next, man. Y'all rock with your boy all the time. Y'all know what's coming next. Life is hard enough. So don't just live. Live elevated. Until next week, I love you. May the Lord keep you. I'll see you at the conference. Be easy, you dick. Peace.